if I can get myself. But today, we're going to just have a, a kind of miscellaneous lesson on the topic of praying scripture. Now, I asked you a few moments ago, if you could talk to anybody, living or dead, who would it be? I'll give you my answer. I'm going to give you a spiritual and a non-spiritual answer, because all of us are going to be like, well, I'm going to talk to this Bible character. That's fine. You may have a more interesting or unique Bible character than me. I, for sure, would love to talk to the apostle Paul. He's a pastor. Obviously, I've learned a lot from his writings. But I also would love to talk to one of the founding fathers, maybe John Adams, and just kind of pick one of those guys' brains about where America is. You know what I mean? What else? Who would you want to talk to, living or dead, if you had a chance to talk to anybody? 15-minute phone call. Who would be interesting to talk to, in your opinion? Y'all are like, I don't like talking to anybody. Well, too bad on you. What's up, Adam? Grandpa. Good. Yep. I thought somebody would maybe say an answer like that. Absolutely. What else? Who else? Your grandmother? Good. Yeah. You know, in heaven, there's going to be some sort of system there, I think. It's good. What else? Mark? Apostle Paul, and you said something else? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Arabian Desert, right? Faith, you got one? Sure, I guess. That, that's, that's a unique answer. What you got? Dog? Doobie? No? Zeus. He, did he die? Oh, I'm sorry. Now think about this. Imagine that that person today, maybe resurrects from the dead, or is alive and wants to have a phone call with you for 15 minutes tomorrow morning. Wouldn't that be exciting to talk to somebody that you miss so much or talk to somebody that you admire a whole lot. Um, I don't know about you, it'd be maybe hard for me to sleep. And you, you have this 15-minute phone call, and it's a great conversation. You get to ask all the questions you wish could, you could ask, even if it's a dog, right? And, and you, you get to ask them everything that's been on your mind. You know, you're looking forward maybe to heaven. You want to ask them those questions. And then at the very end of the call, you, to your surprise, you find out that they're going to call you every week for the rest of your life. So not just one phone call, you're going to get call after call after call. You're going to have to speak to them again. But there's one condition. For every phone call for the rest of your life with them, you're not able to talk about anything new. It's going to be the same questions and the same answers every call, every week. The one person you'd like to talk to above all else, but every conversation you have to relive every single time. You get to talk to an amazing person, but you only get to say the same things about the same things. Now, maybe this is just me, but I imagine that you would do the second phone call. Maybe you forgot a detail or two. And maybe do the third call. Fourth, fifth, or sixth call you might start coming up with excuses, you know? Like, well, you know, today I've got to. 
They might call you and you're like, eh, I'm a little too busy. Why? Why would you do that? I mean, imagine most of us would be in that boat. The truth is this. Reliving the exact same conversation again and again is boring, no matter how interesting the other person may be. By the way, I don't have a handout. You get to take your own notes today, but they'll be on the screen. Isn't that true? That the person could be the most interesting person in the world, but if you have to have the exact same conversation about the exact same things over and over and over again, it's going to be boring, no matter how you shake it. And I think that that thought exercise explains why so many Christians have difficulty with prayer. How many of you would raise your hand this morning and say, Pastor Mike, I want my prayer life to be better. How many of you would like to have your prayer life be just a little bit better? Well, good, I'm in the right room. I was a little worried that maybe you wouldn't raise your hands, right? Now, let me ask you this. A little, little brainstorming session here. And there's so many ways we could go with this. What are some things that make it hard to have a good prayer life? What are some obstacles we run into, challenges that we face if we want to have that prayer life? When you say, I want my prayer life to improve, what are the things that you're looking at saying, this is what makes my prayer life in my mind maybe not as good, or this is what I've experienced in the past? What are some different challenges we face in having a good prayer life? Yes? Your attitude. Great, I didn't even think about that. Great, great thought. What else? What else? Let's not make me wait. We got a lot of content to cover, y'all. Busyness. Good, good. What else? Say again. Not knowing how to say it. Great thought. What else? Discipline. What else? Any other thoughts? Take one or two more. Things that, Distractions. Good. Let's talk about what we're praying. I don't know about you. For me, one of the things I think about is, is God even going to answer this, right? Am I praying the right things? Like even in some of our prayers this morning, God, if this is your will, well, am I praying according to God's will? Or am I praying not according to God's will? Because if it's not God's will, why am I praying it, right? You with me? Can I just help you this morning? I, I know this might sound salesy, but it, every problem you face with content in your prayers, not discipline, but content, what do I say? Am I saying the right things? Am I praying according to the will of God? All of those challenges, what you'll learn today will help you with. All of those. All of those we can be helped by when we learn the discipline of praying scripture. Here's the problem that we face in prayer. We, we struggle with prayer because the reality is, is that just like our thought exercise, you could be talking to the creator of the earth, but a lot of our prayer is like that conversation exercise. It's talking about the same things in the same way with the same prayers. We're reenacting in our prayers so much. I don't know if this is you, but I could tell you that this has been me at times. We're reenacting the same conversation over and over and over again. Now just think about that for a minute. Should it surprise us when we reenact the same conversation that we begin to wonder if the exercise is even worth it at all? Should it surprise us that if we're saying the same things about the same things, that sometimes it might feel like, well, is this even doing anything productive? And, and should it surprise us 
None of you said this, but I think all of us deal with this, that our main obstacle of prayer is prayer can be boring if we're not careful. Am I the only one who's ever felt that? Like, it uh, doesn't feel exciting, right? Because of that same thing. I remember uh, a conversation I heard between two people. They were debating about whether or not it was right to write down and recite prayers. In a lot of faith traditions, that's more common than in maybe the traditions we've grown up in. To read a prayer. The man who advocated for more spontaneous prayer said something like this, and maybe you've heard this. If you write down your prayers, that's gonna make your prayers more predictable and boring. And I like what the written prayer fella said. He said, well, I've been in a lot of services where I could predict exactly what the spontaneous prayers would be. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about, right? The offering's about to be prayed for, right? God, thank you for the services. Bless this offering. Bless the gift and the giver, right? Use it to spread the gospel throughout our community and throughout the world. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, spontaneous prayers <laughs> can be pretty predictable sometimes too. Now, now, what I want you to understand this, look at me real quick. Saying the same things, there's nothing wrong with that, okay? It's not wrong to do that. But what I am saying is that it poses challenges to us mentally about our prayer. We want to pray, don't we? We want to cry out to God, but then we feel like because we don't really know what to say, Adam, like you mentioned, a few minutes can feel like an eternity because all I know is my 20 stock phrases of prayer, right? I don't know, like you said, Joy, how to deal with this attitude, this feeling I've got in my heart. Can I pray to God with that feeling in my heart or do I need to fix that before I come to him? We can pray through lists, rely on cliches and use the same ones every single day. The problem is not when we talk to God about the same things, right? The Bible's pretty clear that we do have to come before God over and over and over again. And there is something about repetition in prayer. There is something about bringing a request to God for days and weeks and months. But here's the problem. When prayer consists of the same spoken sentences on every occasion, naturally we're gonna doubt the value of the practice of prayer. So here's the problem. Our prayers seem boring and fruitless. So what do we do? Is there a way that we can change our approach to prayer so that we can lose track of time instead of being frustrated by how short of a time we talk to God? Is there a way that we can do something about a prayer life so we know we are always praying the will of God? Is there something we can do that we can, Miss Joy, come to God with whatever spirit, whatever emotions in our heart, and know that we're praying in a way that's not disrespectful, but is real to our hearts? The solution is what we're going to talk about this morning. Here's the solution. To all those problems, the solution to prayer is connecting what God says with what we say back. Write that down. The solution is connecting what God says, or maybe we could say it better, what God said with what we say back. Back. 
if we want a good solution to all the problems, it needs to be simple, right? Because none, none of us have master's degrees in theology. I don't, right? All of, all of us need to be able to pray. Adults and children, educated, uneducated, high and low IQs. So how can we have a solution that works for everybody? The solution that I'm going to advocate this morning is to stop separating the disciplines of Bible reading and prayer and to bring them together, okay? We're going to talk about praying with Scripture. Actually, this is really easy to practice. You'll be surprised. Let me give you some examples of praying Scripture. Praying Scripture is not a fad. It's not innovative. You may have been in church your whole life and never heard about this. That doesn't mean that Pastor Mike just came up with something out of the blue. Actually, Christians, for all of Christian history, have been praying Scripture. In fact, in Acts chapter 4, which was an eternity ago in our Acts series, but you might remember that they, the church is gathering praying while Peter's imprisoned. This is a tough time in the history of the church, and I want you to hear what they're praying in their darkest prayers. The early Christians are praying scripture. It says, and being let go, they went to their own company and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. So this is after Peter's in prison and let go. And when they heard that, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, thou art God, which hast made heaven and earth and the sea and all that in them is, who by the mouth of thy servant David, they're quoting scripture, said, why do the heathen rage and the people imagine vain things? The kings of the earth stood up and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. And they're now interpreting what Psalm, Psalm number two was about. Talking about how they were, uh, they did, these people who were gathered against Christ, did whatsoever thy hand and thy counsel determined before to be done. And they pray, Lord, now behold their threatenings and grant unto thy servants with all boldness that they may speak thy word by stretching forth thine hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done by the name of the holy child Jesus. Here's the point. When God, one of the few prayers we have from the early church is a prayer praying Psalm 2. The early church was praying scripture, right? Now, one problem that some of us may have with praying scripture and one I... I, I I, I can sometimes deal with in my mind is the notion that, well, Pastor Mike, if I'm just going to pray the words of Scripture, I'm not relying on the Holy Spirit. But think about that statement. The idea behind that concern is that the Holy Spirit is more interested in your innovation than your reliance on the written Word of God. Now, if you wonder the efficacy or the, the power of this type of prayer, you just need to read the next verse. How God responds to them. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and they spake the word of God with boldness. Do you know Jesus prayed the word as well? You know, a good chunk of the famous statements Jesus made on the cross were not just things that came from his heart, they came from the word. We know a few of them. <clears throat> Matthew 27, 46, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? That is a prayer many of us don't want to pray, right? Because that sounds disrespectful. But you realize that's from Psalm 22, 1. Many of us know Jesus' other statement. At the very end of his life, he says, into thy hands I commend my spirit. And Luke 23 says that. 
And in Luke 23, he's praying Psalm 31, five, okay? Now think about this, think about this. If anyone could pray off the cuff, it's Jesus, right? But Jesus in his greatest hour of torment found help to pray to the Father with the words that were recorded centuries before in the Psalms. So how do we pray the scripture? How do we pray the scripture? What are the practices of praying scripture? Now, let me define this for you really quickly. What is praying the Bible? Praying the Bible is going through a passage and just praying to God whatever comes to mind in the text, talking back to God about what he says to us in his word. Let me give you a couple thoughts about this. The easiest place to start to pray the scripture is to pray the Psalms to pray the Psalms. You realize that the Psalms were designed to be prayed through and praised through, right? This is a song book. There's not a whole lot of difference. This will help you with your philosophy of music. There shouldn't be a whole lot of difference between singing and prayer. They're the same. If they're directed to God like they should be, one just happens to be before men and sometimes the other one's not. In the book of Psalms, was inspired by God so that his people would have words to sing and pray back to them. The book of Psalms is God's answer to this. I know that you want to talk to me, but you don't know how to sometimes. Now think about this. What's the longest book in the Bible? The Psalms. I think that gives us a clue that we need a lot of help praying back to God, doesn't it? We need some help. It also gives us a clue how much God values singing and music. How much help do we need talking to God? We'll just consider that it's the longest book in the scripture. Why do we need the Psalms as a tool for prayer? I love what Eugene Peterson says. He says this, left to ourselves, we will pray to some God who speaks what we like hearing or to the part of God that we manage to understand. But what is critical is that we speak to the God who speaks to us. The Psalms, which all of them, which listen in order to answer, train us in this conversation. Now, here's an example. Look at Psalm 23. I asked you to turn to Psalm 23, right? I don't think it's on the screen. Yeah, Psalm 23, 1. We know Psalm 23, right? So think about this. How can we pray This psalm. It's the easiest one because we all kind of understand what it means, right? As you read the first line, what is the first line? The Lord is my shepherd. How do we talk to God about that? How can you pray this back to God? You can thank God for shepherding you. For leading you, for taking care of you. You could be thinking of a church member right now who's going through a hard time and you can ask God to remind them that he's their shepherd. You might be thinking of a challenge you're facing that day that you don't know which direction to go, this way or that way, and you could pray for God. God, pray to God, God, can you help shepherd me through this? I believe you're my shepherd. I believe you'll lead me through this. God, I'm facing a difficult situation today. God, would you do what you said you will be? You, will you be my shepherd? And are you discovering, church family, that, that, that when we pray scripture, we're praying things 
that probably aren't on your prayer list, right? But we're praying things that are in God's word, so clearly they're important to God. And if they're important to God, they should be important to us. And we certainly aren't running into the, because you turn the next psalm, it's totally different, right? How do we pray the second phrase? I shall not want. How can we pray that back to God? How can we turn that phrase into a prayer request or a praise to God? We're, just, we're taking baby steps here, but work with me. God, help me not to covet. You said, I, I, if you're my shepherd, I won't want, but God, I do want sometimes. Help me. Forgive me. What else? How can we pray or praise in response to that phrase, I shall not want? We can give a prayer of thanksgiving to God. God, thank you for giving me all that I need. Right? So whenever you're finished, you move on to the next verse. That's just verse one, y'all. Psalm 23, he maketh me to lie down in green pastures. God, give me rest today. God, help me to stop when you want me to stop today. Lord, would you lead me today to what I need to do and where I need to be, right? So here's how we pray the Psalms. We can also pray New Testament prayers. Many of Paul's epistles have prayers in them. One day I will do a series through it. I've got written and everything uh, on Paul's prayers. There's a great book about that, by the way, uh, written by D.A. Carson called Praying with Paul, A Call to Spiritual Reformation. We know one of Paul's prayers, at least, right? It's one of our favorite verses in the New Testament, probably. Now to him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. And there's a couple things in between. It says, to him be glory and honor in the church. That's a prayer. Paul's praying in Ephesians 3 or 4, whatever that is. We can pray the stories of the Bible. We can use narratives in the Bible. Genesis is full of narratives. You can pray in response to any scripture. If you've been here on Sunday nights, you'll know that we end our service with those prayers on the screen often, right? What, I, what am I trying to do there? I'm trying to show you that we can pray in response to Scripture. All of Acts is narrative, pretty much. It's all story, but we can, as we read through Joseph's temptation in Genesis um, 40 or whatever it is, we can pray, God, help me face temptation with integrity today. As we read Abraham's journey of faith, we can pray and ask God to help us with our faithlessness, faithlessness, help our unbelief. As we pray about Saul's selfishness, we can pray and expose our own selfishness to God and repent of it in his presence. Are you seeing how we can pray any scripture? We can pray all of it. Let's do a little practice. Go to... um, Philippians 4, it's kind of a diverse passage. So I want us to go to Philippians 4, and we're gonna engage our mind. This is Q&A here. Philippians 4, and look at verse number one. <clears throat> Philippians 4, 1, starts off this way. There. Therefore, my brethren, dearly beloved and longed for, my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. Uh, before we get to the next question, what does Paul mean by stand fast in the Lord? 
This isn't a trick question, by the way. Stay faithful to God. Okay, so how can we pray verse one? For ourselves or others? Robert and Michael, don't answer. How can we pray verse one for ourselves and others? Yeah. Wouldn't that be a good prayer to pray for your church membership? Would you help Sid and Colleen stand fast in the Lord during this trial? Would you help those of our senior saints stand fast in the Lord and finish their race well? Have you prayed that recently? I'm going to guess not. Because when we rely on our own list, we often neglect the scope of what we can and should be praying for, right? Let's look at verse number two. I beseech Iodius and beseech Syntyche. You don't even have to know how to pronounce their names to know what to pray in verse two. That they be of the same mind in the Lord. How can you pray in response to verse number two? I'm still benching you, Robert and Michael. Someone else answer. How can we pray in response to verse number two? Unity in the church. Great job, Sid. Right? Or maybe you're struggling with some unity. God, help me and my wife to be of the same mind. Some of you are like, no, you can't do that. Well, apparently you can. Paul thought so. Look at verse 3. There's some unique passages, but you can still pray them. Verse number 3, and I treat thee, and I entreat or ask or beg thee also, true yoke fellow, help those women which labored with me in the gospel, with Clement also, and with other my fellow laborers, whose names are in the book of life. So Paul's reflecting on these ladies who helped him. Doesn't even name them. And, he, and he's asking these brothers to help them, right? Help those women which labored with me. How can we pray in response to that? How can we pray that? We can say, God... Thank you for the, for the ladies in our church, for how they serve our church. Y'all, just stop and think for a minute how much our church relies on the women of this church. Right? I'm going to guess you haven't prayed that very recently either, right? Hey, this is diversity, isn't it? Verse number five, or four. Let's just go to verse five. Let your moderation be known unto all men. We could pray, God, help me, to, help me to have moderation and temperance in my life. The Lord is at hand. We could pray, God, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. So are you seeing, church family, the benefits of this? And I wish I had more time. You know, a great book for you to read, little book. Those are the best books, aren't they? Little book. It's called Praying the Bible. You have it by uh, Don Whitney. It's like 80 pages. Little pages. Like these size pages. Praying the Bible by Don Whitney. I'm I'm not trying to teach you a fad or a tactic. I'm just saying that we somehow left the practice of how Christians prayed. And I just want to share with you the benefits of this 
and will be done. I hope, I found my bulletin, Rick. (laughs) I hope that you begin to see that Bible reading and prayer don't have to be two separate practices. I think for many of us, we're good at one or the other, right? I, I, I very rarely miss Bible reading. Prayer has been more of a fight for me in my Christian walk. Some of you, you pray all the time, but you're never in the scripture, right? What I think this can do for you is connect the two, that we don't have to be weak in prayer and strong in the Bible. God never wanted Christians to be that way. And then this can help us have prayers that are more meaningful than praying for the cold that you know will go away. It's good to pray for those things. But I think you all understand what I mean, that sometimes your heart cries out for something more meaningful than that. If that was the depth of your relationship with your spouse, you'd be divorced in a month if it was that shallow. Because that's not a relationship, right? Right? There needs to be something deep and real and honest. That's what good relationships are made of, that we can be real before that person. And then what I want to share with you some of these benefits. I've got more than are on the screen. If you start praying the scripture, you can stop depending on cliches. Jesus is the one who said not to pray with vain repetitions. That's not just dissing on people who pray the Lord's Prayer and never pray a single word other than that. that. That could be dissing on people that use cliches and don't honestly mean it. It can help you better apply scripture. What you're finding is probably if you just come to scripture with an eye to pray it, it's training your mind to meditate and apply the scripture, right? I mean, we read the first three verses of Philippians 4. Y'all would have forgot those in, like me in 10 seconds after you read them. Because like, what? Euodius and Syntyche? The true yoke fellows? Come on. That's not the type of stuff you find in your daily bread. But it's, it's, it's relevant. It's applicable. It's things you need to be praying. It's things you need to be meditating on. God put it in his word, so I think he probably wanted us to care about it, Right? So it helps us better apply the Bible. Here's the other benefit. It'll help you be confident in your approach to God. I fear that many of us, when we feel like Jesus did, we wouldn't pray. When we feel like God has forsaken us, we don't pray. Because we don't want to be disrespectful of God. But those are some honest words, aren't they? And it's not just Jesus who prayed them. Son of God, I mean, it's David. God, why have you forsaken me? Read the rest of the psalm. (laughs) He ain't much happier. So it gives us a tool that when we feel like we've got an attitude or we feel like we're struggling, the psalms will give you something, a way to approach God that is real and biblical. Pray through the psalms. Pray through the psalms. You know another benefit that's not on the screen? is that you can pray for more of the things that you probably should be praying for. I think if we rely on our list sometimes, we're praying for the things we want to pray for, but maybe sometimes neglecting the things we should be praying for. Right? So we'll cover those those sicknesses and those needs, but we're not praying for unity. We're not praying in thanks to God for the people who labor hard in our church. Right? It's easy to miss those. But praying scripture allows our prayers to reflect 
the diversity of God's thoughts, to think God's thoughts after him. And then I think it helps us connect two habits, prayer and Bible reading, and make them both more regular. Here's the truth. When Christians connect listening to God with answering God, prayer goes from being boring to being an adventure. I I want to suggest to you, if you don't know where to start, just start reading and praying a psalm a day. Pray a psalm a day. You're like, Pastor Mike, there's 150 of those. Well, then when you finish the first 30, 31, 32, 33, you got five months worth of prayers. You're like, well, I'm not connecting to the psalm. Go to the next one. No biggie. And pray through them. I bet you you'll probably pray more. I bet you you won't be wondering, am I praying the right things? And I bet you you'll know how to handle your emotions and come to God even in your mess rather than just avoid him, right? That's praying scripture. Let's pray. Father, you promised that your word is a lamp to our feet and a light onto our path. And this is one way, God, that we turn that light on, I think. I pray, Lord, that you would help us to be faithful in praying the scriptures. I I pray for the Christian right now whose prayer life needs help, as mine often does. Help them, God, to do something with this, not just to hear a lesson, but to apply it and integrate it into their life. God, we all need help with this. And Lord, help us to, to see how your word can just come alive. How our prayer life can come alive, God, as we pray your thoughts back to you. Pray this in Jesus' name.